the Jinx is uh, right here. Yeah, he's yeah, actually yeah. he is actually over at the virtual D and D weekend right now, killing brand new players. Player uh, yeah, what is up with that? We uh, the reports that we got back was uh, he's got a cleric dead, dead cleric. I didn't hear cleric really? down. I heard yeah. killed cleric and then crit three times. Uh, dropped the barbarian. Like these are new players, brand and, new uh, players, yeah, never played brand. before. Is Zach how, has is, no mercy. Is this how you all do it? Uh, bombing games where you like all the DMs have like they do like little tear tattoos for every character they kill. <laughs> yeah, but we don't tattoo them on our faces. Nope. Nope. Where do you where do you tattoo them? That's nope. That's after show stuff. Trade secret. <laughs> trade, trade, trade secret. That's, a, that's an after dinner drink. Something. That's, after, after dinner, that's right. That's right. The after show. Yeah, that's, that's part of the after the after show. After show. Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the host joining me this evening is Troy Sandman. How are we doing, sir? We are doing fine and dandy. How are you doing today? Excellent. Oh, it has been a long but good day wrapping up Kickstarters and... and uh, tying off some projects and and diving more fully into others so it's been it's been one of those types of days so good one cool 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 good one we're gonna have a weird episode i think today uh <laughs> a really good episode but a good one um yeah. really weird really good really weird really good um i think so too so for folks out there who haven't noticed already uh john is not here with us for this new section but i will swap out with him when we get to the uh main course uh, a little bit later and uh you and him uh got to interview a really special guest a good friend of ours over yep, yep. at D beyond uh andrew and yep. um i'm really excited uh for our listeners to get to uh, you know, take a peek inside oh, so that conversation. Are. Andrew so is a very interesting fellow to chat with. Yeah, yeah. His insights are <clears throat> it. It will open your eyes and open your mind to a different way of thinking about the game. I think. Yeah, yeah. Really good thought processes, yeah. and we had really good. You guys had a really good chat, Twitch chat, um, during it. Um, Lots of interaction with the audience, which I think was cool. Yeah, very um, cool. And I would encourage, uh, you know, if you catch us live at some point uh, and you see our little notification go up, uh, go on in there and, and be a part of that conversation because it's great. Before we get into that interview, though, um, you and I have some news to go over. There's several things that have happened this week. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I think it behooves us to cover them in full um i'm going to drop one on you that that we hadn't talked about dropping on you yeah. um but candle keep mysteries dropped today oh yeah i need to need to go snag my yeah. copy yeah yeah that's right um i've taken a brief peek at it at, on um on D, D beyond and uh 
you and I play tested it. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have a couple um, access points of familiarity. Um, but I think it's a really great book. Um, I'll own it like like I'm slowly starting to slow down on buying the hardcovers as they mm-hmm. come out. As D&D Beyond kind of fuses itself more fully to my carapace. Uh, <laughs> I I find that I need the hardcovers less, but this one this one is it's, definitely an exception. Well, it's beautiful. It's beautiful and I think it's really useful, right? Like I've used Yawning Portal so much mm-hmm. uh, since it's came out. And I think this one is going to be the same. I use like Cobalt Press has those like book of layers and different things like yeah. that, like the 12 peculiar towers and things like that. I, I use so many of that sort of book where it has just short adventures that I can drop in anywhere. I know I'll be using this as well. Um, I yeah. highly doubt we do like a review of it or anything like that necessarily. It's a lot and it's just a bunch of adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a no brainer buy, right? If you're a dungeon master. Oh yeah, hands down. You you have to you have to snag this book just for what it offers you as far as you know the lore of Candlekeep. You know, even if you're not going to use it for the adventures inside, which mm-hmm. you would be foolish not to, because I mean, there's there's some pretty slick adventures in this book. But uh, mm-hmm. it it gives you so much, and it doesn't have to be just Candlekeep. It, it seems like every setting out there has that huge library of the of you know the best library in the world that has all the books you could never imagine college of art of the arcanum kind of stuff this is it this is what you need to have that feel i'm actually considering maybe if if the opportunity presents itself to uh run this as a campaign Ooh, that'd be cool yeah yeah if if you're familiar with the uh the uh i guess the short-lived tv show mm-hmm. the librarians mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. along those lines Warehouse 13, that kind of thing. I like it. I like it. That's cool. Um, we got to run or uh, we, we got to play in John's running of one of these preview adventures. And there's been more of that ran uh, uh, this month on uh, the virtual D&D weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so quite a few people have gotten to have a sneak peek into this book. And uh, the reviews have been highly favorable from what I hear. So, yeah. And uh, uh, the rumor is, we don't know for sure. That there's more coming at the what? next virtual weekend. Ooh, that's going to be cool if they use it to kind of just show off yeah. more and more of the book. It'd yeah. be interesting. Yeah, and I don't know if it, you know, I don't know if it'd be the same ones. I don't mm-hmm. know if, you know, in a month or so they might have a couple of new ones. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Don't know, don't know, no, don't, don't know. Mm-hmm. So, but that was just a rumor that I heard. Don't hold me to it. Interesting. Okay, well, uh, let's move on and let's cover a couple more things. I just want to do a quick shout out. Um, uh, we had uh, Ray Clark on our podcast several months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was kickstarting a book called Titan Home, yeah. and I got that book in. Um, yes, yes, it's yes, uh, yes. it's here. It's in a really nice like uh, matte uh, hardcover. Um, and I uh, just wanted to say congratulations to to uh, Ray for putting together uh, her very first book, uh, delivering on it, and um, uh, I'm really proud to have it on my shelf. So good for her. It is um, pretty. Good for me. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, I'd be looking uh, forward to reading through that myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's my news is, is those couple things. No new Kickstarters on my front today. Troy, what do you have for us? And you know what? No new Kickstarters for me either. Um, wow, we're saving money. Left saving money this week. Uh, and you know, that kind of goes to, uh, had a, a few comments from some of my tables this past weekend at uh, virtual Ooh. D&D weekend that listened to the podcast and they, they made the comment that, uh, you know, listening to this podcast costs them money mm. because of what we always talk about on Kickstarters. That's mm. not necessarily a bad thing because they're getting cool stuff. I guess we're talking about, we talked about Candlekeep for a good 10 minutes at the beginning of this. So it's maybe unfair to say true. We're saving I mean, money this time. Yeah. But we're, well, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not pushing you to spend money on Kickstarter this week. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. So, one step uh, forward, right? Like yeah, that's right. A step at a time. So maybe, maybe you know, maybe next week our episode will just be all Kickstarters. You never know. That's right. Fair enough. One step yeah. forward, two steps back. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, I wanted to talk about the 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 new Unearthed Arcana that dropped Folk yes. of the Feywild. Yes. Um, yes. This is one of those that at first I'm like. Because because when you when you see what it contains, it it is talk, it, it gives you race options for fairy, hobgoblins of the Feywild, owl folk, and rabbit folk. Mm-hmm. And at first you're kind of like, mm, what? <laughs> and then you're like, wait, hobgoblins coming from the Feywild? What? But just a little. I mean, it's only a three page drop this time. Mm-hmm. But just what little flavor text they give you is like, ooh. I kind of like this, and you know the the fairy is is kind of the fairy uh, race is cool. You, you're small. You uh, have a fly speed, and now that they've opened up, you know, or are opening up the Adventures League rules to allow for that sort of thing, because now you can be like the the Genasi and the Aarakocra hmm. straight out of the gate. I know a lot of DMs are like, "What? No, no flying at first level." But <laughs> you know what? The the great thing about flying at first level is they're still it's out of the way. They are still first level. And you they'll drop them while they're flying. That's a death save gone right there, That's sucker. A, you know, exactly. So, yep. yep. There's always that. Yep. Um, but yeah, the, the fairies are cool. I, I like that flavor. The hobgoblins. It, it it actually kind of explains why they're so good. Uh, such a make such a great military. Mm-hmm. In, in in just that brief little flavor text. Uh, the owl folk and the rabbit folk. You can pick if you're going to be medium or small. Mm-hmm. Which is, I find that rather, I find that rather interesting. Yeah. It, um, so, so I really like, 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 uh, what is it called? Anamorphic. What is it? Anthropomorphic. What, what, anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic. Anthropomorph- animal yeah. people. Animal people. You like yeah. animal people? Uh huh. I really like animal people for a certain type of game. <laughs> so I'm always happy to see them, uh, uh, popping in. Um, I don't mind it at all. That being said, like I there's certain there's certain aspects of these races that I find really great and really concise, and certain parts of them that I feel are just noodly in the wrong way. Mm. So I'm hoping that when we see them transition from UA to actual book, the noodly stuff kind of gets cleaned up. Because in my opinion, a race, right, should be the barest minimum of interference with your play at the table like it should not add any true complexity to a character it just adds flavor right a bare minimum of noodle right so 
like I'll take the rabbit for example here. A couple things are great. The idea of, you know, being medium or small, I don't mind that. Mm -hmm. I don't mind they have an ability called a hair trigger where you get to add your proficiency bonus to initiative rolls. That's a great idea. Makes sense. Why did like why don't we have that before? Like that's perfect. Like awesome. No issues there. Then it has this um uh, leperine senses, you have proficiency on perception skills. That's fine. No yep. issues there, right? Yep. Um, where it gets noodly is with these next two. Uh, lucky footwork. When you fail a dexterity throw, a saving throw, you can use your reaction to roll a d4 and add it to the result, potentially turning a failure into a success. Yeah. That's cool, but you that should be a once per day. It's all, yep. all races are almost always once per day, once per long rest. This should not be a every time I roll a deck save. That's noodly stuff. That's another thing that we have to keep track of. That gets into Pathfinder territory. Um, mm. I have yep. a character in one of my current games. Um, let's say, do I want to mention them? <laughs> do you want to? Uh, I will. I will. You know what? I will. Um, he is playing a ranger, a gloom stalker, and he is ninth level. And this is no fault of his own, but there are so many little noodly pieces that you have to keep track of with a ranger. Like, oh, I get a D8 added to my first attack for this. Oh, it's a big creature, so I get to add a D6 for this. Oh, I have hunter's mark, so I add a D6 for this. Oh, wait, no, I, I, it's, I'm a higher level, so now that's a D, that's two D6 or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. it's so much noodle that. You really just need to like write it out as like a graph. Like when I hit, these are all the things that happen, right? And these yeah, what like I add. Is it my, a flow chart, right? And I'm like, that that's not what 5e is built around. And I think that this is a step that direction. And the next one is even worse. Rabbit hop, which sounds cool. On each of your turns, when you walk at least five feet, so if you use any movement at all, you can roll a d12. First off, we got a problem. But roll a d12 and move that many feet in a direction of your choice. This extra distance doesn't cost movement, but you can hop only if your speed isn't zero. So you get an extra 1 to 12 movement as a hop each round. There's so many problems with this yes, as a mechanic. Especially considering you don't move in one foot increments. You know, you know how many numbers on a d12 are nonsensical numbers for movement. Mm -hmm. 10, right? 10. 10. 5 and 10. Those are the only ones that matter at all. So why are we dealing with this nonsense, right? Yes. Do you want, do you, wizards, do you want the rabbit to be able to move an extra 5 feet as a hop or an extra 10 feet as a hop? Just deal with tell that. us that. Yep. Right? If you want to say your walking speed is 30 feet, you can move an extra 5 feet as a hop, right? Great. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand the variable part. I don't either. I mean, I mean, if let, let's just kind of like backtrack it and kind of why? Why would you yeah. want it to be variable? What? 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 Cool. Even if the it rabbit was just should be in five control. or ten. If it was just, yeah. even if you're like rolling a, a yeah. die to determine if you're if you're going to get an extra five feet or that, an extra ten feet, why? That's better. It's better. Yeah, but like you said, why? Right? Like, and and also, it's still too noodly. Mm -hmm. the idea that at first level you're going to move 30 feet and then you're going to sit there and be like, okay, now do I want to hop five feet or 10 feet? Do I want to hop at all? Am I happy here? Like it's too much. Mm -hmm. um, and it's even worse when you, when you think about the D12, 
Oh, oh, I'm yeah. gonna get to the well, end of my movement. Having... I gotta, I gotta, I gotta hop another gotta roll. ten feet. I gotta roll. Oh, I gotta oh, roll one. So, so does that mean I get to move? No, you only rolled one foot. But I, I rolled an extra foot. Yeah. Right. So how? Right. right. So I, I rolled. I, I'm going further than ten. Right. Like I just. Uh, to me, to me, what this implies is one of two things. A, this was kicked out really fast and in a hurry, and it's early stage design, which mm-hmm. means that they don't really care what the mechanics look like to you. They care about what you think about this race. About the concept, yeah. Right. Or they are quite comfortable with going in a very noodly direction from here on out. And at which point I'm like, why? Why are we doing this? Like, I don't mind advanced mechanics, but I want advanced mechanics that actually Makes mean sense. something and aren't just like little tiny nudges here and there that make it frustrating. Um, yeah. It, it almost seemed, seems to me like they said, hey, we want some new races. We want some new Fey races. Um, and please use uh, your proficiency bonus with some, you know, in, in interesting yeah. ways. And you know what? The D12. The D12 needs more love. Uh, use <laughs> the right. D12 for something, okay? Use the D12. Cool. Exactly. No, like, I mean, even lucky footwork, it should just be the halfling lucky trait. Yep. Like, because it, then we have two races. It Like, like I don't care. We already have it once. We might as well have it twice. Just give them that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. And, and it, it does the same thing, but in a much cleaner way. Yep. So. Exactly. I don't know if we need to beat on this uh, particular subject a little anymore or not, but like, it's so it's like I was, I'm excited about these races. I'm just not excited about some of the noodly, noodly bits. I agree. Matt, now my, my question that I, that I would like to know, and I would love it if the listeners would drop in some comments on our Facebook page, maybe why Faye races? What, what book mm. is this going to get connected to? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be mm-hmm. something new with you know, like a like a Tasha's? Is it going mm-hmm. to be part of an adventure? Is it going to be part of a new campaign? Because mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think this is confirming Spelljammer. No, no, I, I, I see, I, I see very little way that you could link this UA to an upcoming Spelljammer, or really any classic. Uh, D&D setting. Yep, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know, because they they, pro- they promised us two more. Yep. Are they coming this up is, this year? This is not for that. Mm. I, I mean, I, that that just me saying, like, I don't know that for a fact, but I'm just saying, I don't think that this is for that. Yeah. Mm. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I'd love I'd love to hear some people get out there just kind of give us their thoughts and ideas on it. Yep. Yep. Gert, let us know, man. Craig, yes. Ulysses. I. Echo, go on. I really want to play a rabbit folk, though. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, <laughs> I like... hate noodly stuff. I hate the one you do. I want to play a rabbit folk. I, listen, I might just volunteer to swap out some of these features and play a rabbit folk because, like the, I like rabbits, so that's a that's a fun idea. I would allow it. Yeah, I cool. would allow it, especially yeah. in Spelljammer. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, okay, um, so we talked about that. Is there anything else we need to talk about UA wise? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, like I said, it's it was very, very short. Three pages. I like that. I love mm-hmm. UA articles that are like just a, a few pages long instead of the you know the the sixteen page mm-hmm. gob of playtest rules. 
Can you imagine mm-hmm. a, a playtest document 16 pages long with a bunch of doodly stuff like D12s and and D4s to I, I add would to not, your stuff? I would, yeah, no. No. Um, I want to mention, just because it, it dropped today as well, that new Dark Alliance gameplay trailer mm-hmm. hit. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about that game. And I know you don't. You said you don't either. So we're not coming at this from a point of knowledge, but... That is a weird trailer that has a weird tone, and I'm really interested to see what is going on there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to take a look at it because I I don't even know. I am I'm out of it. It just says a band together with friends near or far and fight against vicious monsters in this new co-op action RPG from Dungeons and Dragons. It's a it's a it's a third person combat game and you play as the original heroes of Icewind Dale. So it's Kedabry okay. and Dritz and Bruner and um Wolf Wolfgar. Wolfgar. Yeah. Um and what's weird is this like heavy metal attitude that that trailer has. Mm. Like straight up like that's its attitude is like at one point a a giant a frost giant flips off the camera i kid you not yeah yeah it's that sort of like spunk and i'm such such obscene finger gestures from such a pristine frost giant (laughs) exactly um yeah so I, i just don't know like i'm like i was not expecting this right i was expecting you know high fantasy action you know swashbuckling um you know fast-paced scenarios i was not expecting attitude um so it's kind of interesting you should check it out i i I will i'll check it out but first we gotta talk to andrew oh my goodness yes all right well let's let's shove this over to that interview Uh, i'm gonna say goodbye to the listeners and uh we're gonna welcome john and andrew yep i'm gonna i'm gonna grab me a fresh drink and i will see you on the other side All right, and now we are back, and we are with Andrew, our buddy from D and D Beyond. Woohoo! And, uh, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna talk about maybe not give any any secrets away. We'll, we'll try. We'll we'll try to cast some spells on him. But uh, <laughs> uh, Andrew, if you would tell uh, or tell tell our listeners how we met. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Troy and I uh, met at a convention, and I think I was I was um, I had been newly hired to D and D Beyond, and I was on a mission um, because so I no I'm a product manager, so I'm the the product manager on D and D Beyond, and a product manager their number one job is to really understand how people use their product. And I do this in a lot of different industries. Um, I'm now lucky enough to do it now for my favorite industry. Um, But uh, I've done it in banking and insurance and healthcare. And essentially the whole process goes just observing people using your product so that that way you know what they're doing with it, what problems they have so you can make it better. So I Mm -hmm. think I had just been like randomly trying to find somebody and I found Troy with a giant beard. That was that's a, that was at PAX. Remember, I met you, 
at D&D Beyond Headquarters. Because they Uh-oh. brought us down there for the, your retreat. I think we had already met each other before that. No. No. No, I, you're right. I, I met you you're at right. the dinner. At the dinner right. the, the night before the big the that's big right. Yeah, so Troy had came. He was a DM. That's right. You yeah. were. You were the DM. But I think I had met a couple of others that introduced oh, me to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, there right. was that part, yeah. yeah. Yes, he is known. The well, mayor. either way, to finish the other the story, mayor. I sat at Troy's tables at a convention and observed people playing. And that's um, that's sort of how uh, Troy and I yeah. have continued our friendship. So, Yeah, and, and we're going to let people know why he stocks players at uh, game tables. Here in a little uh, bit. Just because I'm weird. Well, there's, well, there is that part. part. <laughs> We're well, in good company, and if that's the case, <laughs> you th- really, you really good got, company. Yeah, how do you think we got him on the podcast? That's right. That's how they got me, man. It's like, hey, we're weirdos. You look pretty weird. Sweet, sweet. I can do weird. <laughs> we're set. Um, yeah. So, uh, Andrew and another another uh, gentleman from from D and D Beyond uh, named Pat uh, was sitting at the different people's tables, watching how. Uh, the players would interact with the game mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Um, wh- to what end? What 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 are you mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. for uh, specifically when you watch players, and how does that inform what you do for D and D Beyond? Yeah, it's actually um, it's it's interesting, and it's part of it's it's my favorite part of the job, regardless of the fact that I'm in an industry that I've loved, right? So, like, I've been playing D&D since I was, like, eight years old. My mom taught me how to play, and I've been playing ever since then. Nice. But um, Super I mom. have... <laughs> it, was, it was pretty great. Um, I, have, I have done this for a lot of different products. It's just an essential part. Um, and I think everybody can understand, like, you know, that sort of glass, and you have, the researchers are sitting behind it, and they're observing you sort of, like, e- eating whatever food that you eat or using whatever product and watching... You know, how, how people interact with whatever product they have. Um, just because this is a, a game played among friends does not mean that we shouldn't um, shouldn't do that. And the, the interesting thing about it is that I didn't, at first I didn't think that I would really need to do that because I've been playing for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been DMing for a long, long time. Like, I know the game in and out. I know the problems that, that DMs have and players have and things like that. But it wasn't until I really observed, and Pat and I did this at the same time, we, we did like, uh, we both sat at different tables and we took notes and um, where you start to really understand the flow of the story. Um, and it, it's super interesting. I would actually suggest that anybody that's really interested in how games work or uh, wanting to improve their, their DM craft, just sit at a table and watch. Don't not, not on a stream because when people stream live play, they play very differently, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. critical role is a very different game than it is at the table with, with your friends and only your friends. Um, but what you, what you will see is the focus of the, um, the table kind of shifts and morphs around. And the, the interesting thing about that is, um, you can kind of start to see a pattern of like what moments and what, uh, like whose turn it is, where attention focuses. Um, and, and what I would often do at tables when I was observing is instead of watching the DM or the person whose turn it is, which is obviously the center of the the story, the scent, the focus of uh, what's going on, I would watch other people, right? Because I, the ideal situation here is that everybody is all watching and engaged and super having fun, right? That's the end goal. 
but I would watch the other people who weren't necessarily in there and when would they be engaged or when would they be not engaged looking up something else or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, because ultimately what we want to happen, and I I know you all believe this too, as DMS for Baldwin games, you want people to have fun. Um, but the answer to that, like, did you have fun is not like at the end of a three hour thing, you know, did you have fun? Well, of course it's D and D of course people are going to have fun, right? Like, but what you really, really want to know is like during this little part, did you have fun? And then, then Mm. during this part, did you have fun? And then did during this part, did you have fun? Um, and, and what caused that, what is actually making it fun for you? Um, and that's where Pat and I have done a lot of thinking around, we don't have it formalized yet, but a lot of thinking around trying to measure fun at the table in real time. Um, and it's, it's, it's very sort of esoteric at this point, but, um, essentially what we're looking at is, um, what is the, uh, how engaged is somebody with game mechanics, right? Uh, because that's how a lot of people have fun, is like these game mechanics are fun for me and I am engaged in that way. Or how immersed am I in the story? Because that's another way that a lot of people have fun. So ideally these two uh, metrics would be up at all times. I'm engaged in game mechanics and I'm immersed in the story. But what actually happens is one is sometimes low and the other one is high or they flip or they're both at the bottom or they're both at the top, right? So like this sort of balance of, of a weave kind of um, happens throughout a, a gameplay. And so then what we do is we look and see, okay, when do both of those are down or when do they flip, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and one key, I, I know you guys are gonna know this because you guys have played so much DM, uh, so, much, so much D&D, one of these key flips that you can tell every time is when it flips from total immersion in the story to total immersion in game mechanics and not in the story. And that moment is role for initiative. Yeah, yeah. The quintessential yep. role for initiative. What ends up happening, and, and, and I'll, I'll give you just a quick, what ends up happening is they, they switch. You'll be like, as a DM, um, you, you, the, you, a party of three, a, a rogue, a wizard, and a, and a warrior have been stalking these two guys for days. And you finally found him. They are silhouetted by a fire in the in the in the forest, and the rogue is sneaking up. Right, the DM says, R- "Roll a stealth check," and he, the rogue rolls. He gets like a fifteen, something like that. It's like not too bad. Mm-hmm. It's not too good. It's sort of in the middle. And uh, the DM says, "Okay, roll for initiative." Right, what's happened? You've taken story, dumped it. And you've introduced mm-hmm. game mechanics. You mm-hmm. spend, on average, the next minute to five minutes, by the way, and uh, usually roll for initiative in everybody's mind is take a break, right? The DM, it's like, okay, frantically try to make something work because I've got to collect everybody and keep the momentum going. But for everybody else, it's roll a die and then go check my character sheet, check my phone for something, get a quick buy to mm-hmm. eat or something like that. And what, what ends up happening is then it's like, okay, rogue did a stealth check, snapped a twig, and wizard, what do you want to do? Wizard says, nobody's entered yet. Nobody's gone into the combat. Nobody's gone in there. I know that they're triggered because they failed the stealth roll, because if it didn't fail, then he wouldn't have asked for the initiative. So fireball, boom, <laughs> you know, like, of course, that's just like the thing that you would do, right? But flip or that. Hugs. Or, or hugs. Or hugs, mm. right. Oh, mm. 
But flip mm-hmm. that, if you've never asked for initiative, right? The rogue is sneaking up and the DM says, roll for initiative, or uh, uh, um, uh, roll a stealth check. And, the, and they roll a 15 and the rogue says, okay, I, I got a 15. And the DM says, uh, all right, you hear a snap of a twig. What do you, what do, you do? And the rogue's like, oh, I don't, I don't know. And then he goes, he points to the, the wizard and he says, wizard, what do you do? And the wizard's like, I don't know. Do, are, they, are they moving? Are they, did they turn around? Well, no, they haven't turned around. I mean, it's literally in the first two seconds. So, like, you don't know. Well, I, I guess I, I, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to hold my turn. Do something. Because I don't know. Did, it, did they, you know, completely changed it, right? Mm-hmm. So now we're telling a story using mechanics underneath, mm-hmm. right? So immersion in the story stays consistent. But the game mechanics help boost that up, right? So now you can see that the DM did not call for initiative, auto-rolled it, right? Mm-hmm. Automatically rolled it with their bonuses, knows who's mm-hmm. going first, second, third, and can kind of work it in until eventually combat is going and action economy is going. And, and that way it kind of helps s- smooth that transition a little bit more. It's funny you mentioned that. Okay, first of all, I am completely hooked on this conversation and absolutely like i'm completely like i'm completely immersed right and i've got so many freaking questions yeah what happened to the road when you yeah when you mentioned right he got burned up in a fireball it was his fault as 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 many rogues lives usually end in in the in a heap of flame Uh, so when you mentioned as you were kind of leading up to what is that moment where the diametric shift from story to mechanics occurs, right? Mm-hmm. I, like I knew, I was like the wind up of the punch, like you said, initiative, it's right? Initiative. And it's and I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm going back to every table that I've ever run, and it's it's funny to me that only now do I really see how like and when you pointed out, I'm like, oh my god! As soon as I hit roll for initiative, everybody at the table shifts. It moves around and like there's like everything this activity kind of happens where engagement kind of clicks and pops and now and now everybody's kind of sitting up and off their phones or eating a bag full of, full of Cheetos and getting orange stains around their mouths or something crazy like that right they're they're all in it at the same time but also to your point and this is kind of something I'd, I'd you know Matt Colville had mentioned it before in one of his uh, one of his episodes that it is like two different games that you're playing there's the RP game and then there's the tabletop. Uh, the actual the the strategic game the strategic war game and so it's almost like um, I'll think about it like the old Final Fantasy games where you're walking around the map and you're doing some stuff then all of a sudden it's and you zoom in and now we're going into into battle mode yeah. right and I think that's absolutely it's brilliantly noted right and it really makes me think and I like the idea as you're sitting here telling me you're saying it about how like if you could keep it under the hood and, and obfuscate yep. that shift how much more of the story is is complemented by it and how there's not this jarring effect where you're moving from one thing to the next. It kind of just like flows into itself, you know, and it's not as it, you don't break immersion by doing that. Uh, and of course, traditionally, everybody else has their own little hidden sheet they're looking off of or uh, I mean, you could roll. But when, as, a, as a DM and if you're looking at the dice yourself and having to calculate and move things around, it's I can't imagine how anybody could do that in any way that was that was quick at all. Right. right. Or do it as fluidly. So, all right. I'm, well, I'm, is, I'm with you. I just want to, I had to get that out. Well, this is where technology comes in, right? Oh, like yeah. we are living right. in the day of technology that they can like technology can help us solve these problems and make something like that, which was never really possible. Like, like 
roll, auto rolling initiative for your players without them even knowing, without even skipping a beat, mm-hmm. was never really possible, right? Because they right. would see you roll, they would see you looking up the character sheets, like, and what's your initiative? Like that would right. be, that would be the same situation. Everybody would know. But with tools like, okay, shameless plug, the encounter builder and combat tracker that has an auto initiative roller right there, all they have to do is push that button, get the auto, start the combat, and within two seconds, it's already started Mm -hmm. for you with the order that you need it to be in, right? And that's, that's the really interesting thing for me as a product manager building a technology is that we can actually use technology to not just play online, Right, which is the obvious play. Yeah. But we can actually use technology to improve our game everywhere, even at the table, which mm-hmm. is, in my mind, like just gets me giddy, which is really cool. Yeah. And kind of, a, kind of like a you know an adjacent topic to that, saying that it's going to help at the table, um, to me is, is key because as the world is is beginning to open back up, um. A, there's a lot of game stores out there that are struggling and they're scared. Uh, they're scared that their people are not going to come back and play in their stores anymore because they've been playing for the past year online using the, the virtual tabletops and things like that. Um, the game store that I was running at before all this stuff happened is now closed. They, they hmm. just closed last week because of that. Yeah. And, uh, they, and they made the comments like, yeah, we don't know if, you know, uh, the virtual tabletops are going to allow people to come back again. And it's like, but there's so much potential to use that technology at the table mm-hmm. itself to enhance. And you can still see, cause what I want even more than, cause I love the initiative idea. But the one thing that I kind of want to see is when you say, all right, rogue roll me a stealth check, you know, and I'm, and I'm picturing somebody with their tablet with, their D and D beyond app and they roll the dice and they send it over to the DM. They don't get to see what the result is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only I do. Right. So yeah. that way it's like, cause it always happens. Roll a stealth check. You roll a two. Oh, well, here we go. Right. I don't know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. that's another way that like technology can help us because never like I, I used to do a lot of like, because secrecy is a fun thing to keep yeah. in your game, right? But mm-hmm. that's nearly impossible in the mm-hmm. physical world with like, okay, well, pass me a note of what you want to say, like, right? Or if, yeah. I, if I'm the, I, I often do this, I am playing a rogue and all of my other players slowly lose all of their belongings, right? But like, I don't want to just be like, Okay, I want to steal this person's thing. Andrew, I hate you. Why would you steal this thing? I'm not doing it. It's my character. I don't know. What are you talking about? You know, like, but my, one of my favorite things to do is just message the DM. The DM then messages me back and says, roll me a stealth check. And then I'll roll him one and then roll him a, mm-hmm. you know, and then all of a sudden their thing is gone. And later they're like, what happened? Where did my thing go? Right. But you, you can't do that and create this sort of like mysterious atmosphere around it even at a physical table, right? But yeah. if you're using tools at the physical table, you could still make that happen. Yeah. You know? And that's and something that's, that's really that's important cool to me thing. is is that as we move back into in-person interactions more and more, as we kind of, we step out of quarantine and out of the pandemic, um, that's something that's really important to me because as much as I, I mean, I've, I deep dived into virtual 
and invested in it heavily and I am on board 100% for it. But I want, for me, to me, the perfect world is the balance between the two, right? Like the, yeah. the amazing thing about the virtual is that it's allowed us to continue on in spite of the challenges that we face. And in addition to that, it's opened it up to people, explosive growth in the hobby, which is phenomenal, not just yeah. here in the States, but across the world. International players are coming into virtual weekends and D&D Live and Gen Con and things like that that never could have had an opportunity before. So there's merit to it, obvious. And it obviously it needs to be there, but like, if there's a way for us to dovetail the two and and have one without the sacrifice of the other, that to me is that's the perfect marriage between the two. So I'm really excited about the idea of using tools and a technology to not only enhance play online but also to augment the play at the table and be able to like everybody's kind of on the same page using the same. If they can, you can get everybody to say, play the same tool. That really can enhance the the uh, the play of the game well, a lot. It'd be a game changer. Most definitely. No yeah, I, I, I don't think that anything will ever really supplant the physical experience. Um, mm -hmm. It can't. It can't. And it, I mean, it's just um, we were looking at it the other day, right? And my peripheral vision is huge, right? I've got a lot of peripheral vision. When I'm in a physical place, I can see the table, I can see everybody, and I can see all of my stuff, right? That's one advantage mm -hmm. of a physical space. But when I'm online, uh, me and me and my designer on my team were thinking about this is my screen real estate is very limited right well yes. i'm sitting here at the table i can see the map i can see the dm and their expressions i can see what other people are doing and if they roll something i can see my character sheet and my notes and my all of my stuff with very easily it doesn't take a click to go to a new page or anything like that mm -hmm. but when you're online it is like you are you have blinders on mm -hmm. in the real world mm -hmm. Like I am looking at my table, my virtual tabletop, and I am looking at my character sheet. And now I'm looking at my notes and then I'm looking at my player's roles over here, right? Because that's mm -hmm. all I can really do when I have a screen because there's just not enough space, right? Okay. There will always be that limitation. I think that's just one example of how a physical game will always be better because you just, mm -hmm. you are in a space with lots more space. You are also there with people, which yeah. is obviously the, the big one. Yeah. And you get to share cheetos. It's a social game. And you can share right. cheetos. We, right. We all get orange mouths. Huzzah. Exactly. exactly. Well, so, and, and so even the, the, the answer or the quote unquote solution to real estate space, you can add additional monitors if you want to, but then you've got somebody that looks like a groundhog whipping their head this way and that way. Yeah. Constantly yeah. up and down and moving around. And they've got notes down here somewhere. So I mean, you're all over the place as opposed to what you're saying. It's kind of like there's this almost like a panoramic view, mm -hmm. right, of of your real estate whenever you're in person where ev like everything is in view. The Most of the players, you have like a little blur on the edges for your players. Sometimes you kind of have to shift one way or another. But uh, that's really hard to beat. That that experience is hard to beat. And honestly, the like that in-person one-on-one -on -one that it's not it's so kinetic and it's the the energy yep. that's the thing that kind of that gets of me yeah that, that's the thing that, that drains me drains me about online play and i love online play but man the energy level at a physical table is a complete difference uh from what's an online play and how much you can amp up your your players you know yeah. and, well, and just the fact that uh at a physical table your players can't turn their cameras off Mm. Yeah, you yeah. see them. You see yeah. the reaction, the visceral yeah. when you, oh, gotcha, and you see mm -hmm. them kind of, oh no, or mm -hmm. or even if 
you're 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 putting something out there and they're they're not yeah. responding to it. Yeah. And that that visual cue as as you develop as a DM and you're watching your players and you can see they're not they're not grasping it, they're not understanding or I'm not pivot, we'll go, you know, take it to a different yeah. way because you're losing them. You're losing it's them a, fast. It's a huge difference. You're right. Like um, I got together a group of friends um, and we played a, one of my campaigns for five years. It's one of my sort of capstones. And I loved that. We went from mm-hmm. level one to 20 mm-hmm. and it was like over five years. The final session was like 10 hours long over one weekend. Oh, wow. It was great. Um, anyway, the over that time period, we started because we didn't really know each other very much. I, I had done like a looking for a group kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we started with no video and just sound. And you could tell everybody was like muting themselves on Discord the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as I'm like narrating and talking about things, right, there's there's no background sound. There's no like, like I, I, I deliver something that I think is like, I think that's pretty funny. Like this character, right. this NPC is killing it over here. There's nothing. Yeah. Because yeah. they were all laughing on mute. Yes. Right? Yes. And you can't yes. see so, off that. You, uh-huh. you, they, like they... They were they were cutting it up. They later told me, luckily, but like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you, you don't you don't get that. And then on camera, like that adds even another layer, right? So like, mm-hmm. stay off mute. Let the DM hear you're chewing on Cheetos, you know? Like, yeah. then then turn on your camera. I, I would for anybody that is thinking about an online play, that's what I would tell them. Like, yeah. And I didn't know how much I would miss it. Until, yeah. I wouldn't, I didn't know how much I would miss it or how critical that was until it wasn't there as a DM, that, mm-hmm. that continuous feedback. I, I'm desperate for it. Right. Then it's, it's some, maybe it's, there's even a certain level of DM insecurity that's in there too. It's like, is like, to your point, is this good? Is it still good? I thought it was good. It seemed like it was pretty good to me, but you're not getting that reciprocity from your players that is absolutely critical. And so I know that the tools are going to kind of meet the the demand that we're kind of putting on things right now. And I'm not sure if it's, uh, if it's players that don't have access to cameras or if it's players that are just camera shy or, or what exactly yeah. there, it may be, there's the entire, there's no telling exactly what it is, but I'm kind of hoping that the online set will, will see more of a, like a, an immersion of, of comfort, comfort with people being online, yeah. showing their faces. Let me see you smile. I don't care. I don't care if your lighting is crappy, who cares? Like if you come out, look like you just crawled out of bed, whatever, just let me see your face. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be making my bedroom right here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and yeah. so for me, like, I'm like at the beginning of pretty much every one of my tables, I say, guess what? Whether you've got your camera on or not, I'm going to have mine on it. And I'm going to make really stupid faces and waving my hands around because I'm super animated. And because what COVID has done to me has turned me into a cartoon character, apparently, whenever I'm running games. Because I've gotten, I've amped up. Shut up, Troy. I have amped up. <laughs> I'm going to say, it, co- I know what you were gonna say. don't blame COVID for that. You were already uh, a cartoon character before that ever happened. Uh, I, <clears throat> moving on. So I, I'm a cartoon character now, right? But waving my arms, I want them to feel comfortable about the silliness of it mm-hmm. you know that are the theatrics and be comfortable in that but i think that's something that we're gonna have to kind of pro- progress toward in the within the uh within the hobby yeah well uh yeah craig makes a good point not the not the my grooming habits point but the uh <laughs> the uh, uh the people being camera shy and and that's the thing it's i i think if more people would actually stop and think about it they would realize it's they're camera shy only probably because of the word camera. Mm. It's like, 
if 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 you have went to a convention and played or a game store or something like that and played one of these games in person, we're not seeing anything different on the camera as mm-hmm. we would there, other than maybe you, you could see part of you know a wall in my house. Okay, big deal. You know, I've been to a, at at Pax Unplugged. The lighting was horrible. Mm. I didn't. I didn't put a towel over my face so that nobody at the table could see me. It, you know, it, you are who you are. If you go out in public, you go to the store. People see who you are. Just turn your camera on because I guarantee you that even though that you know, like like John and I and Zach and we all have our cameras on as DMs. I guarantee you, if you turn your camera on too, and and that allows us to feed off of your expressions, and we can see. You know, when we do a bad, when something bad happens or a, a horrible dad joke occurs and it's like, you know, they do one of those things. You can't hear that laugh, but you can see it. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. just, you know, if I feed off of that, I give more back. And now you're feeding off of what I'm giving. And it's just, it just continues. So, yeah, to definitely people leave their cameras off because they're camera shy. But it's like think about that a, a little bit you're not you're not streaming you're just because you're playing at a virtual D weekend with us where you're not suddenly on critical role for millions of people to watch you play it's still just this you know six strangers sitting around and the then table. of course i mean let's let's be fair there is the other end of the spectrum where people are way 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 too comfortable on their cameras too <clears throat> I've, I've played in a couple of ga- games where uh the cam- camera was uh, surreptitiously placed in the mo- the least um, <laughs> flattering place. I had uh, had one person that was it was on the floor, uh, and they liked to sit cross legged, and they had like their legs. Yeah, luckily yeah. they were in pants, so it was it was it was you know it, it worked out. But I had to actually kill the camera feed uh, mid <laughs> midway through because I was like, look, I'm not, we're not seeing like. London or France here, but I don't think anybody else is interested in seeing your pants, much less your underpants. So. Yeah, it. Yeah, I, I. Yeah, one of those sort of uh, video conferencing etiquette rules, I think, is just mm-hmm. like just take a look at your own camera there for a minute and like just make sure everything looks okay. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Eh, just you know, just little little adjustments, little. Yeah, that's fine. If if it's too bad, you just get right up in it. That way, people can't right. see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so so all this talk of of you know the online thing, and and we've talked a little bit before, um, off camera, about virtual tabletops and and the future of gaming, and you have some really cool, I think some really cool ideas of what the next generation or what some of the the more popular tabletops right now might be missing and might be mm-hmm. not focusing on where they should. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that modern day virtual tabletops have done a lot to sort of recreate the things that we need in order to, uh, be able to play the game. But ultimately, in a, as a product manager, um, one of the interesting things about a product manager that kind of, uh, makes them invaluable, and in my mind, I'll just kind of say, <laughs> um, is that they really focus on problems, right? So, mm-hmm. what what kind of problem is a VTT really trying to solve, right? 
oh, well, they, the VTT is, is trying to get a map on a screen so that that way everybody can see the map instead of sitting on their table. Well, what is that map trying to solve? Why do we even need a map, right? Mm. What's, what's the map really do? And, and trying to answer that question honestly, um, ultimately, what a map really tries to do is help characters make better decisions about what they want to do by letting them see where their character is in relation to everything else. Mm-hmm. Like that is the problem statement. Here mm-hmm. is my character. Here is where everybody else is. And now I know what decisions I can make, right? Mm-hmm. Once we start to look at that and think about, okay, that's the problem that people are trying to solve. Then we can start delivering them that map experience at the time they need it rather than all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of VTTs fail right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said before, your screen real estate on the, the, on the screen here, screen real estate on the screen, is limited, right? Yeah. You, you really need only what you need at the time you need it. That's it. Mm-hmm. If you start showing things during times you don't need it, you're wasting space, right? right? So that's where we need to start really looking at what are the tools that we need while we play the game and then only deliver those tools at those times. Hmm. So there are, there are lots of ways that people play the game, and there are some even adventures from uh, um, uh, the makers of D&D that are very map-heavy, but there are also mm-hmm. maps, also adventures that are very not map-heavy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then why put yourself on a VTT that always shows a map when you don't really need that? Okay, so right? that's another... I'm ready for this one. Okay. Yep, yep. Uh, so one of the things that I've adopted in, in the VTT is not using my map pages or my pages for maps. I use them for scenes and I, that way just to, to create an, the ambiance, give you an idea of where things are. And of course I'll scour Google images and Bing and all this other stuff, Pinterest for just the right image that kind of confers what, uh, what, what I'm looking for. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but to your point, right? So the, the thing is, whenever a map shows up, the it almost feels like it's the dinner bell being rung. The same thing that happens when you say roll for initiative. Yes. Oh, wait. So so now we need to be on the lookout for something that we're going to have to fight because we wouldn't have a strategic grid out right. of things for things for us to look at. And positioning is going to be really important. So the dungeon delve is the same thing, right? So where you go room to room to room and you've got that map out, you're always on guard. And that's kind of, sometimes as a DM... I don't want the I want the players to have that sense of let, letting their guard down at a, at a at a certain moment instead of always being super super amped up and ready for anything. I want to yeah. lull them into a false sense of security every once in a while so that I can surprise them and I can spring that trap on them that was that would be really neat and fun, not necessarily something that's just going to murder them as soon as it, as soon as it pops. Yeah, Zach. Yeah, Zach. Man, yes, that is brutal. Well, and one of the thoughts that we've been thinking about, I've seen some incredible games along the same lines that you've been talking about, right? Where it's not just showing you a map, it's showing you things to help you. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, What if a virtual tabletop, right? So let's, let's dissect that a little bit. So virtual tabletop is really just, here is my tabletop, but virtual, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when, when you're playing D&D, you might not have a map out all the time. In fact, yeah. Critical Role, right, that plays it all the time, has a map about 20% of the time on the table. Right? Yeah. But what if you could use that tabletop for other things that people might want to do? For example, I want to roll in front of everybody, right? 
That's mm. I roll it out in front. In fact, I did this experiment uh, at a couple of different conventions where um, I would be at a table playing with uh, just a bunch of random people that I didn't know. And I would roll on my own area, right, and my own tray, and nobody else would pay attention, right? And then I would just say, okay, this is what I got. This is what my palette did, and I'm going to use Smite, and I'm going to do these things. And then I would go, and I would roll it outside, right? The next turn, I would roll it right in the middle of the smack dab in the middle of the table. Mm -hmm. And you know what happened? Everybody yeah. did this. Yep. Yep. Right. They and everybody see. leaned in because they, they all wanted to know what that was going to happen, and it be yeah. that moment became a lot more grand, grandiose, and right? shared. It's that, it's that anticipation, right? So yeah. in the in the in the dice roller, I'll do another shameless plug for D and D Beyond. But in the dice roller, we <laughs> added that sort of like, we we called it preserving anticipation, where you can see that the player started the roll, but they, we don't know what the roll is yet. So yeah. everybody's yeah. watching and like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? That is the tabletop. That's the virtual tabletop, right? So in a lot of ways, when, when I say virtual tabletop, everybody thinks of a map because that's the thing that's on the table. That's the default, but, yeah. Right. But really, that entire thing is the tabletop. Right. And, and so this is what I would say. Like, I have seen some really creative like, um, tools or, or DMs that are using tools that are starting to do just what you're talking about. In fact, um, I talked to the CEO of... Hasbro. I didn't talk to him. I listened to him as he gave a presentation. I shouldn't misrepresent. Um, and he <laughs> said that when he does his, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> he said that when he does his games, he will use PowerPoint. He'll just pull yes. PowerPoint, oh, yeah. throw a bunch of pictures yes. and things in there, and then go from there. Yeah. And I thought yeah. that was kind of ingenious, although it sounds a little boring. But what if you did? So Pat has started using in his um, uh, team game. Yes, at D&D Beyond, we all play D&D during the day for our job. Uh, it's one of the <laughs> many downsides. Um, uh, anyway. <laughs> I, don't know how you, I don't know how you stayed with a company that long yeah, if you had to look, work under those you, conditions. You, you, can't, you, can't, uh, you can't try to make it ugly, okay? Don't, uh, but, oh, it's terrible. It's so terrible. It's, <laughs> it's the so worst bad. thing ever. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> so Pat uses a Jamboard. You know, from Google, they have these things called mm -hmm. Jamboards. Um, it's just another one of their like Google Drive things or whatever, and uh, it's basically just uh, a sheet of paper virtually that everybody can draw on, everybody can throw images on, and everybody can do anything. Mm. So that starts to turn it in from me as a DM telling you this is what you see and do. I can describe it, and then somebody else could go like, "Oh, what about? Is this what it looks like? Oh, yeah, that's exactly right." Or eh, it's a little different. Or I might describe to you what a room looks like, and somebody else is sort of drawing it out, and they're like, "Okay, right. is this?" And that and that that kind of shared tabletop mm. is something that could only really happen in a virtual world, right? That uh, I think again is another example of how technology could improve the physical tabletop even at a physical tabletop, right? Yeah. Where everybody can kind of have this sort of shared game space that mm. allows them to sort of play this game together uh, in, a, in a much better way. I think that's... But that's the game, right? Yeah. That's the yeah. game as it is now. Maybe it may not have been that at one point. Dungeons and Dragons may have been this, but I believe that it has become a collaborative storytelling engagement. Right? Yeah. And the collaboration is key, right? So not just playing D&D, but playing recently within the last several years, playing other engines and playing other settings and playing other games has really opened the mind, the DM's mind's eye for me in that this is not my story anymore. 
right? No. This is not, yeah. I'm not the director of a film and you're just characters and I will direct you towards things and kind of push you and funnel you towards things. Nope. Not at all. I want a collaborative story. Now, this is maybe this is me, but I feel like we're kind of going in that direction, the same direction of a, a collaboration of this cinematic element or the storytelling element, where we are all key players in it. We may not be all. All of our characters may be key, um, maybe key characters within it, but we're all key players in making the story go. So the idea it's really exciting to me to hear. I think of a a, a tool that will allow you to collaborate at that level because right now it's very it's very static. Like a lot of the VTTs, mm-hmm. my token is really the only thing that I can control and the only thing I'm going to throw out there. And maybe well, the DM might have some cards you can throw out there, but otherwise it's very no touch, you know? So trying to figure out how it would work to where you could all kind of add a little bit of nuance to it to, to make the game flow a little bit differently would be really interesting to see. Well, and, and it, it's even more too, because uh, in, in a VTT, the DM really controls what you see too. Right, so mm-hmm. some of the exactly. more popular ones out there, like I want to see the the map of Waterdeep. Okay, well, I got to pull everybody over to yeah. that mm-hmm. map now, and mm-hmm. and then also like, okay, well, now we're in this dungeon, so you everybody needs to look at this dungeon now. Well, what, right. I didn't want to look at that dungeon. I don't. And then what's even more destructive that I've seen? So um, we've done some studying into like what does line of sight, fog of war, and um, lighting kind of do to these situations. And what we're seeing on VTTs, at least in, in D&D Beyond, is that uh, when we've done our own kind of research into this, when you have, um, especially this sort of advanced lighting idea where this token can only see these things, it is even more destructive to that gameplay, into that, that, that narrative that you're trying to, to create, because now I only see what I see. It's great that I can tell exactly what I see as a character so that I can mm-hmm. roleplay that, but... When it's somebody else's turn and they're in a different room, can see something completely different and then totally, like, they're not talking to me anymore. I shut down. In fact, Mm. the next time you, you, like, watch somebody else play because the DM and the person whose turn it is, right, they will talk to each other very differently knowing that each of them can see what's going on. Mm. So then being the person on the outside, it is completely different. Here's an example. So um, if I, it's not my turn. I'm describing a somebody else's turn and the DM, right? So the DM says, okay, you're going to walk down this hallway and there's going to be some stairs and there's a handle and you can turn this way or this way. Um, okay. Um, and you're going to see these these three monsters here and, and then this one here is, is right here, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not close to them and um, I really, I don't think that I can hide here anymore. So I might just do, um, I guess I'll just shoot an arrow from here. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, cool. What's that story like? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. that's not a story, mm-hmm. right? That's two people that are talking about what they want to do tactly, tact, tactically in an area where they both know what it looks like. But me on mm-hmm. the other side, I have no clue what you're talking about. No clue at all, mm-hmm. right? So what am I to do with that story? Of course I'm going to tune out, right? But but that's the, that's the way that feature was kind of developed, right? Is I only see what I can see, and then my character, that, that way I only have to worry about the decisions I want to make. But what does mm-hmm. that do with a shared story? So then how does our tools improve? You know, that's, that's, a, that's, a, um, that's the next sort of generation that we're looking at. But what, what I would say to you is that um, the other thing that we often see in a lot of VTTs that can be a problem, so th- th- what I've just proposed to you is, like reducing options to help you understand 
more about what your character wants to do. But what a lot of, a lot of VTTs have is uh, too many options, right? Mm -hmm. It's just tons of options. Um, and what, what I've said multiple times to people around the office is um, it is like you are playing the VTT and the VTT plays D&D, right? Mm. So instead of like you having to learn what the rules are of D&D &D and playing the game of D&D &D and the D&D &D mechanics, you end up having to learn what buttons you have to click in what order to try to make the thing do the thing you want it to do so that that way mm. you can perform your turn. Yeah. And that's right. where things start getting really weird. Um, and and uh, there are some very popular VTTs currently on the market that are that are fall from this where it's like I didn't ever know it would do that because you have to hold down shift control space bar right click to make it do mm -hmm. it oh exactly yeah well, that's not yeah. obvious I guess <laughs> yeah. yeah um so yeah it's it's uh there are some there are some definite things that can be improved about VTTs mm -hmm. it's it yeah I, I'd never thought about the uh the dynamic lighting situation until you put it that way and uh, and I think you, I think you just kicked uh, John right in the VTT Jimmy with the whole dynamic lighting. <laughs> you didn't at all. It's not, a, it's not a kick. It's definitely it. It's incredibly interesting because now it it forces me into the player's perspective about shut up Troy uh, about uh, I'll do that over and over again. Ass. Um. Anyway. Uh, um. <laughs> Because I use V, obviously I, I I use dynamic lighting all the time. But to your point, like, what is the problem with the other players seeing any of the anything else that's going on? I guess is the question I probably need to ask myself. Like, why not? What what is it going to really hurt? Uh, verisimilitude, I guess maybe is the, is the thing. Like, is 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 that the? Am I willing? What am I sacrificing on the altar of realism or? Like I said, mm -hmm. you know, what's what's is how much is it really worth? To really, I think that what I need to have is a conversation with myself, and maybe even the, some of the other players that are out there that I've run with. Uh, I'd like to hear back from them on how they feel about it, because I've never really asked. I've heard had maybe one complaint about uh, about dynamic lighting, and as soon as I heard the complaint, I was like, "Cool, flip it on," because that's you know, I'm not so married to it that I'm going to mm -hmm. use it at the forsaking my my I'm the player's enjoyment no well shut up you I, will I, like it i think and, it's one of those tools that it's more impactful the less you use it because mm. if you play the whole you know this whole uh module and you and you've not used dynamic lighting one time through the whole thing mm -hmm. and you finally get to Aurel's castle and she's doing her her thing and you you get to the main room where you're going to have the big fight at the end. And now you've put it in dynamic lighting. Now, maybe instead of the players checking out because they're so used to it, it's like, well, I, I, you know, when it's not my turn, I can never see. So I'm just going to step back here. Now it's like, well, why can't I see? Well, I get it. Cause I'm not in the right yeah. spot, but why are you hiding it? What's going on? Mm -hmm. Why are you hiding it from me? Right. Yeah, it's that level of suspense that can be awesome. With yeah, that. right. I, I've had um, uh, it was actually in that module, the Icewind Dale, Ram of the Frost Maiden, where um, they are down in one of the gem caves for Lonelywood, and uh, mm -hmm. I actually had a um, a guy going down in there, and he's the rogue, but he can't really see in dark light, and they were trying to sneak up on the cobalts. Well, a Grick 
came up behind him. And I literally had it on the map, but nobody could see it because it was either out of line of sight or behind mm -hmm. him. And it literally, like, I eventually kind of come up to him. And he was like, holy God, what is that thing? Right? Because <laughs> he didn't even know it was there. And it was yeah. a great moment. So dynamic lighting is not just to be, like, thrown out. That's, what I'm, that's really what I'm su suggesting. Mm -hmm. I think it's not a binary, like, on or off. I think we can improve it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what's the problem, right, behind what are we trying to solve with dynamic lighting? Me, as the player, I need to know what is within my range of sight so that mm -hmm. I can make decisions about what I can do, right? Yeah. That's the, that's the problem that we got to solve. So it makes all the sense in the world for me to be able to see what my character can see so that I can make those decisions about, I don't even know that that thing's there, so I can't even hit it, right? Yeah. And, and the DM wants to surprise you, so to be surprised, you can't know about it. Like all those things make, this, make sense. But in a world where I am a player and not a character, what if we had like a, uh, this per it's this person's turn so everybody can see what this person can see, mm. right? So that I could then follow along with this person, it's their turn, I could see everything they can see, and that way I can still participate in the story, but still have the problem of like, I need to know what, it, what I want my character can see so that I can make decisions about what I need to do. What, right. what about something like, okay, Bear with me. Dynamic lighting without the lighting. So you put you put the walls in and the obstacles and all this stuff, and you're sitting here. But when I'm looking at my my map on the virtual tabletop, I see the entire map. But if I've put the bandit behind this pillar, because of how I'm viewing, I can't see the bandit. I can see the all the way around the pillar. I can see what's behind the pillar and everything else, like the uh, the set dressing. But if I, as a DM, if I set that token as this guy's hiding, you can't see it until you walk all the way around that pillar as if your dynamic lighting is on and you go around and it's like, oh, there he is. Well, man, like maybe use dynamic lighting almost like dynamic shadow of war kind of thing because that's effectively what we're we're talking well, about, right? You can no, still see the map, but every, the, the he's effectively grayed out and you can't see where the where the bandit's at behind the pillar, right? Yeah, because like you know, if if you've got the pillar right here and you've got the bad guy, mm -hmm. you you effectively know that there's wall there's a wall back here. Mm -hmm. There you see a bunch of boxes and stuff, and the boxes go all the way behind the thing. You mm -hmm. can kind of guess there's more boxes behind the pillar, but if it's dynamic lighting. You've got that wedge mm -hmm. that obfuscates all of that, which as a person, yeah, I might not be able to see it, but I know there's a wall back there. I know there's other stuff back there. I just don't know the bad guys there. I don't, that's, mm -hmm. And that's all I don't need to know to make mm -hmm. the impact is I don't need to know that there's a bad guy back there until I walk around the pillar thinking, oh, we're good to go, and then blam. So you get that, you still get the effect, but you can see the entire map. You don't have those big swaths of black yeah. covering yeah. everything. What if, hmm. Yeah. Of course, there's reasons to hide parts of the map, too. There is. Right. Yeah. And that's where the, yeah. that's where the, uh, like the, the fog of war blanketing stuff in blackness would, would come into effect. But yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's really more just about making sure that everybody can come along for the story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that's where we need to be very cognizant of. And that, that's why I think like 
these observations can be really, really helpful sometimes because you get to see it from not just a DM's perspective or a player's perspective. No, I, uh, that uh, that's uh, that's that is I that's an eye opening thing for me to think about because shared experience is key, right? So I mean, like uh, to me, I like the, the the dynamic lighting and it's neat and useful in its own ways. But I think what gets me the most out of the entire conversation is why not let anyone else see what's going on? They can hear it. Why not yeah. let them see it, right? Let's yeah. let's see that you're on a you're on a three story in a three story building. You're saving children from a burning orphanage or something like that. Why not let them see the heroism that's going on on the different levels from other people? Like, what is that really taking away from the game? Or is it? It's to me, it's adding to the to the story. Like, yeah. you're actually able to to watch that in action, and it's kind of a cut scene for you. But at least you're able to see the scene instead of it just being a, like a the the audio only and not really getting everything out of it in the first place and just creating confusion by doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I see it a lot, a lot of times like a uh, you're watching a a TV show or like a you know like the Dragon Prince or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, not all the characters are in the same scene at the mm-hmm. same time. Right. Yep. But we all as audiences are coming along, seeing the whole story. Actually, a, yeah. a friend of mine, because I also play. Um, yes, I know it's not D&D, but I also play Star Wars. Oh, uh, and, that's fine. Um, <laughs> that's fine. And, uh, a friend of mine had mentioned about like splitting the party. And he said, in the original movies, how often do all of the characters actually appear all in one scene? Mm-hmm. And he Very had us all rare. guess. And uh, I think I said like uh, I think I think he had actually said in Return of the Jedi now, and I'm going to get this completely wrong. But either way, um, the idea is still the same. He said it was two minutes of film with all the characters all in one scene, and his mm-hmm. point was is that like everybody is doing a lot of different things, right? But we all get to see and be a part of that adventure, mm-hmm. right? And still be a part of it. And I think that's the point that I'm trying to make is like the the reason that uh, like we have traditionally not wanted to split the party is because mm-hmm. it feels like it isolates people. But right. if you can allow them to also see into that, they can come yeah. along for the ride and they don't have to be in the action to be engaged in that, uh, yeah. immersed in that story. Yeah. That is really, really interesting stuff. Like, yeah, right. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to brew on that one for a little bit because that that will change things up quite a bit for the way that I'd, I'd run things because I'm like oh well it's neat that they can't see if, if like if there's fighting going on in the level above them or something like that that adds to the mystery I'm like yeah, does it does it really yeah. does it really hurt anything you're just seeing somebody else get pummeled because they're all by themselves right that's fun <laughs> let's let's go ahead and like let's peek right into that into that keyhole so I mean, that's every, good stuff man really yeah, every, good stuff every once in a while it's not so bad to do the whole uh ran a ran an Eberron module for my home group not too long ago and we're still using virtual tabletops of course and some people went down in the basement and some people stayed up on the the mm-hmm. first floor so i took the players that went down in the basement and i put them on the basement map and we didn't jump to a different discord channel or anything like that they were all mm-hmm. you could all still hear everything it's just <clears throat> the other players couldn't see what the people in the basement could see. And it's like they went downstairs and they're like, what the hell is that? Where'd that come from? That wasn't here before. And they're like, wait, <laughs> what is it? And it's like, you don't know. You're upstairs. Well, but, I, oh, you know, and it kind of gave them that. 
I, I gotta find out what's down in the basement. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of a kind of a thing. But I but mm-hmm. it can also like you said, you know, take you out of the story too. If you that's use the that that's trope. what I'm saying, man. There's like the dance on the edge of the knife of figuring out that now instead of it being like this is the way that I do it, and I have to ask myself what uh, what is not necessarily what makes the most sense. What is going to be the coolest thing that's going to that will add to the overall experience? At, like, is it is what I'm looking for? Is do I want the the mystery of what's in the basement? Somebody else saw Pennywise before everybody else did, and they're freaking out down there and. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, what's going on? Is that the thing that I'm looking for? Or is it just like, it's something else that's happening down there that they could totally watch and it's not that big a deal and make it available to them. So now it's a, like a, uh, it's not a one, or it's not a one trick pony. That's what, what I think yeah. is what I'm kind well, of like, I'm co- coming to in my head. You know, it's like, you well, have to, there's di- there are different ways to do it. Well, hopefully somebody that's listening um, will build a VTT that's like generation two that will help solve some of these problems. If only, right. if only here, here. knew someone here, here, <laughs> here. So, folks, this is an exclusive reveal right now, right here, right now. Spelljammer confirmed. Just one. Spelljammer jammer is confirmed. Spelljammer is confirmed. confirmed. Who confirmed that? Right? Did they? <laughs> Did I, don't you confirm that? I don't know. I don't know. I just trolled. I think Teos said it. Okay. <laughs> Official. Teos confirmed from, it. From Troy, he says, so if it does not happen, you have to talk to him. The views that are expressed on the Bite Size Gaming podcast are not <laughs> are by Troy, are not, are not exclusive to Troy. No, I, I mean, Spelljammer confirmed. I, I I hear it from Tails all the time. I'm just mm, waiting. Mm. I'm just waiting for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll happen sooner or later, and then he'll be right. No matter what happens, he'll he will be right eventually. Eventually. Eventually, yeah. Eventually, eventually they've got. To. I'm always right. Eventually, we're all gonna <laughs> die. Well, you're right. Eventually, I suppose. Especially if you play at Zach's table. Oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're not gonna let you live that man. Um, House of Horrors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andrew. Thank you. That was that was an oh, awesome moly. chat. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, well, I've got a lot going on right now. So yeah, traveling cross country and oh yeah, this. yeah. The, this guy has 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 no home now other than the one he's standing in, and he's traveling across country with his family. This is a true statement. Yeah, living and, and the I dream. Mean, it's like, that is awesome. Yeah. yeah, for those that yeah, I um sold my house and my car. Me and my wife and my two kids and my two dogs now live in a forty-two foot long RV trailer, pulled by a a sixteen foot Ford F three fifty dually, and we travel all over the country. And he still gets to work on on D and D Beyond and play D and D all the time. So right on, man. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, but there are lots of compromises, so don't get too jealous. Mm, like privacy. Privacy. Privacy is one of those. Whenever they're little and there's only a four, like 42 feet yeah. of space yeah. that they could actually go to yeah. or from, right? Yeah, 42 I feel feet. That. Is, yeah, my clothes fit in like a box this big. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'll just mention the black tank. You can imagine what that's all about. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's compromise. It is compromise. <laughs> it's compromise. Well, Andrew, will you come back and talk to us again sometime? Uh, as soon as you invite me. Oh, baby, done. You ha- <laughs> you, you you had me at as soon as. Yep. O- open invitation. <laughs> Everyone, you know, even if we don't uh, extend for a specific reason, you want to come back and talk about something. You just let us know, and uh, 
Yeah. We'll get you on. We can do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, maybe awesome. maybe when Zach's not killing newbies, then maybe we can. Yeah. Right. Uh, that is going to be a cold day in hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna peer behind the scene uh, just a moment, and then we're gonna close out. Um, we, the the three of John, uh, Zach, and I wrote the module used for this weekend's uh, virtual weekend for learning mm-hmm. how to play D anD. d So it's, it was you know it was the test bed to see how it flowed, and I was the first one to run it. That's just how the scheduling went, and I w- I was so hard pressed to get it in the time frame that we're allotted to play. And I'm, cause I'm, I want to make sure everybody understands everything. I'm explaining everything, uh, going through questions, questions and answers, uh, trying to help build a character and all this stuff. Um, and I'm just, I'm buttoned up against the time limit every single time. So I'm talking to Zach's like, well, we, man, we're gonna have to cut some of this stuff. And he's like, yeah, okay, fair enough. So he runs it today. He's sending me messages while he's trying to teach people how to play. Man, we're already halfway through, and it's only you know an hour in. I don't understand why you got you're so slow. And it's like, it's, oh, it's it's easy when you have know. a table. Well, it's yeah. easy when you have a table of six people, and only three of them are allowed to play because you murdered the other three. Exactly. Super so, easy. Yeah, yeah so. problem solved. Murder half of them at the very beginning, and then it's going to be smooth sailing from there. We have to cut some of this story. <laughs> no, we don't. We just gotta cut the players, right. cut the characters. <laughs> we don't. We don't. Uh, just uh, you know, we don't kill players. We kill characters. no characters. That's right. Yeah, mm. that was so close. We love the players. Yeah. So Andrew, uh, if anybody wants to, uh, yeah, Zach says, "What can I say? I'm a problem solver." <laughs> Fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> uh, Everybody, my daughter is doing a, the the belly crawl because she doesn't want to be on on stream. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good dad good dad um, so andrew is there uh, is there any place that uh if people have any questions about you know dnd beyond or anything like that or just want to say hey uh where can they find you where can they reach you uh, yes so on on twitter uh ac searles s-e-a-r-l-e-s um or uh, on the D&D forums, the D&D Beyond forums, as Amja, A-M-M-J-A, that's me. All right. Or on our Discord, you can go into the D&D Beyond Discord, I'm there too. Very cool, very cool. And, uh, you know, for us, you can you can find us on on the uh, the Facebooks and the Twitters and uh, the, and the Instagrams. Uh, just come check us out and say, hey, let us know uh, what you thought of uh, having uh, Andrew on the on the podcast. And Zach wants me to let you know that uh, tell Andrew he makes great shit. I use it every day. <laughs> Thanks. You're here. Thanks a lot. So everybody, uh, on behalf of of our guest Andrew and John and and Zach in Twitch poking his nose in with blood on his hands, uh, my name is Troy, and I just want to say thank you for joining us one more time. Uh, until once more into the breach we go. Have a good game, everybody. Take care, everybody. Be safe out there. Bye. Right on. Andrew uh, <laughs> needs to be a fixture. <laughs> now I'm getting the stink eye. You've you done pissed her off now, man. There'll be no living with her at this point. She's like, I was trying to be respectful. <laughs> uh, oh, 
we had to get a cameo in, in this episode. That's all it was. Yeah. If you just if you want to be on the stream, all you gotta do is say so. We'll, we'll... I don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I bear crawled. <laughs>